0: Screw those ju- 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 All right. Good day, everybody. Howdy. It is August 2023, and that means it is the five-year anniversary of Rare Americans. Hell yeah. Which is really exciting, kind of crazy that five years has flown by already. Um, it's a little alarming,
1: actually, that we're five years into this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Why alarming?
1: I, I feel old, I think. I really? definitely feel older than when we started. Huh. In what way? Well, I was thinking about it when we first started. Well, when I joined, I would have been, what, 30, 31, which seems younger. I thought than, you're not
0: supposed to reveal your ages oh, to I people. not I don't care <laughs> about that.
1: I, it feels younger than uh, where I am now. So, you know, that's a... Uh, I guess that happens. It's slightly five alarming. Years, uh, <laughs>
0: five years flies by in one's <laughs> life. Uh, we start.
1: We started hot here with me revealing my age. Yeah, no, I doubt.
2: Mean, me being twenty-seven I hard True. to rely to. Uh,
0: yeah, you're to you're kind of in the same <laughs> same zone. So, um, yeah, no, it's wild, uh, and it's kind of cool sometimes. I feel like you know, often we're so in the moment of kind of moving forward uh, with what's next, but sometimes it's nice to to look back and. I was looking at the amount of songs, so mm. we're five albums in plus an EP, which I didn't count as an album, which is 82 songs. And of 82 songs, we have 45 videos, which is pretty insane. Wow. That's over 50 percent of songs have videos, and that was kind of the, I guess, the strategy from from day one. Um, and yeah, we've really we've really kept at it. I'm gonna
1: move my mic up here a little bit. You know. Bit. As a, I wasn't here on day one, Yeah. nor was Django, and I think I'd like to hear about the strategy from day one.
0: Uh, okay, so let me think back. Five years ago, I was a different version of myself, um... What, what were we thinking right at the top? We started with live action because kind of right before Rare Americans launched, I was kind of, you know, in that age in my 20s of trying to figure out what I was doing. You know, I was, you know, working some different jobs in the car industry and then I wanted to get into some video making. So I was producing some uh, different kind of like commercials and social media content. And, um, you know, so I built a little bit of a crew in Vancouver and we were doing some different video projects projects. And and I think getting actually quite good at it. uh, I worked with some really good people. So then once we started um, Rare Americans, which everybody I'm sure has heard the story of how that started. So you can go to a different podcast for that. Uh, And it was time to make, uh, you know, make a record and and put out videos and kind of launch the project. From the beginning, we really talked about having a strong video presence. So doing like quite a few videos, almost one for every song, if we could, Mm. um, and really utilizing YouTube, because that was seemed to be the platform that you could just, you know, you could put out so much content, and you could really get rewarded for making unique content. So uh, at the beginning, the idea was take the same kind of video crew and do a whole bunch of videos and make them and produce them ourselves. So, um, you know, we started with uh, I versus I, which we did a very kind of dramatic uh, video, um, mm-hmm. which I really like. I really like to this day. That was looking back on things when we talk about retention rates and making a good first five seconds, 10 seconds. We took the opposite approach at that point mm-hmm. in time. It was there was a minute long intro and it was more about making like a short, Film, um, which is kind of interesting. Like I told you guys the other day, we kind of circle back. You know, you know, five years later, and now we're almost doing things that started at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you know, so making these more. You know, film-oriented kind of projects. Um, at the time, it was working with people who really wanted to make movies. They wanted to make films, um, mm. especially Edward, who was directing those, and kind of my partner in this. He his aspiration was to make movies, so we were approaching the music videos as like little short films. Um, so yeah, we did I versus I. We did Pay Me Back. Uh, we did Balmaro Hotel with a, a different director. Um, you know, we did all sorts of videos, and then obviously the one uh cats dogs and rats uh we did as well with with harry and that was the kind of the oddball on the first record because it was the animated one mm-hmm. uh and then yeah we just we released videos with a with a vengeance moss park was another one we did that we actually flew to toronto and just a really small crew four of us went to actually went to moss park which is a little like east hastings in vancouver which balmoral hotel takes place um and really just tried to make videos that were as real and raw as humanly possible. And that's something I think, um, looking back on it now, five years later, I think is a great ingredient that we use from the very beginning that I think people connected with. It's, it was real, it was raw. Even Balmoral Hotel was filmed in an SRO, it was filmed in a, you know, in. Um, yeah, in an actual, uh, place where, you know, people who are, you know, down on their are have found themselves at, you know, kind of that part of society are, are living. And we wanted to kind of stay true, uh, to that, um, uh, vibe I guess and and now I feel like five years later we're gonna circle almost back to that again and going mm-hmm. into the kind of real raw gritty what's actually happening in the world type of vibe, so it's funny how things kind of move in in uh, in cycles, so yeah, yeah, the idea was put out a lot of videos um and produce them all ourselves, and even counting now I think i had I hadn't even reflect on this in a long time, but nine of thirteen songs in the first record
1: had a video did uh, you so with timeline wise? Was it, Jungo, Maybe you can tell us what, what the album came out on the same day as Cats, Dogs, and Rats. Is that correct? Like no, the video? No, no, no. Oh. We
0: did three singles first. We okay. did Cats, Dogs, and Rats, and then I think Moss Park, and then maybe Balmoral Hotel. So
1: those videos came out? As yeah, well? we did a lot
0: of singles. Okay. We did like, we played like, we did five singles or something before the first album. But I don't
1: came think out, the videos so. came out because when I go back to our YouTube, Cats, Dogs, and Rats was the first video. That we ever posted.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. but okay. the album. I think the album Game was later released before. Uh, later. No, later. No, later. Later. Okay. Yeah, we did like five singles or something before we put out the album. And if
2: I'm If I'm not mistaken, the album is August 10th. That's
0: the album. Yeah, that would be and August. And the 10th. cats, dogs, and reds was probably in May or June. June or something. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we did the videos very quick, like every two weeks or something like that. Again, someone's probably going to you know look back on this and be like, actually, it wasn't two weeks. <laughs> it was every 11 days or something, um, which is great. I love when you guys call us on our facts. But uh, yeah, the idea up front was release a lot of songs very quickly, like every two weeks, put out
1: another video, and then follow
0: it up with the album.
1: Mm-hmm. That was my thought. When I first joined or was requested to play drums for you guys, I think it was maybe a year after you had released it, sometime around there, summer of 2019, and uh i remember looking at your stuff and being like damn these guys have like a ton of shit like it's just like videos and you had an album fully done and i had never even heard of you but you had so much stuff uh which i think was a cool strategy to come like come in hot with a bunch of stuff to put out you know
0: yes i almost still feel like that works to our advantage like even when we um you know i've i've met some more producers lately and that seems to be the one thing that they all instantly say is like oh yeah i checked out your guys' stuff it's awesome you have so much content so many videos Mm -hmm. so you're creating this cool kind of community like it's it's really unique i don't see that very often Mm -hmm. um but i think when you know we just counted 45 videos or something like that it's it's just a lot of it's a lot of content which i think is awesome Mm -hmm. and you know we're we're very much in uh content world and it's just our contents a little takes a little bit longer to make probably than a lot of other people who you know it's whether you're a vlogger or or something like that your your barrier to entry is a little bit lower than you know either having to fully animate something or make an an entire film set or whatever Mm -hmm. I, i think
2: i i don't have stats for this but my gut tells me that uh most of the bands don't have 45 videos in their career like I think oh, uh, yeah.
0: four, Or even five albums To be honest Like it seems like Most bands No like I would say Coldplay They probably have More albums than five But they
2: have I don't think They have 45 videos I bet they do Coldplay so? Coldplay's
1: been around For know. years I There's know Tons I, of videos
2: uh, They don't do Nine videos per album You know No we, <laughs> we I, we, I, I we think honestly, we just have um, uh, This proportion I mean Compared to other bands uh, We have Probably Twice as much Three times as much Content yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, we were uh, we were hustlers, man. That's uh, and that's probably my favorite thing of any review I ever read of the band. Um, when they say uh, you know they're extremely hard workers or the whatever the sentiment is, that's one of my probably favorite single favorite. Uh, comments that I read from any interview or whatever that gets posted, I like that people can see that we have worked really hard and that's an, an important part of kind of who we are and what we've done and, and what we've built is always just trying things and seeing what's mm-hmm. going to work and, but always kind of staying hungry and trying the next thing because you don't know, you know, what's going to be your best, what will work, what won't.
1: Yeah. And ever since I joined the band, Americans has always been pretty well. DIY. We've done it yep. ourselves, everything. So that's pretty cool too. I think a lot of guys would be on the label. They'd have some person over there running their uh, social media or something, and somebody's making videos for them. But yep. we're all in house.
0: Yeah, you're. Uh, that's for any young artists out there. Uh, I would say that I. That's one thing I've probably learned the most in five years of doing this. I don't know. Quote unquote. Professionally, whatever. Um, There's no saviors in the music industry. Like, I think at the beginning, I, you know, was really. I was very green-eyed and thought, okay, you get on a label and bam, that's going to change everything, and all of a sudden you're going to become uh, Twenty One Pilots, mm-hmm. uh, and or you you land a big manager and bam, they're going to walk you through the front door of Spotify, and you're going to be sitting next door to the CEO. Like uh, I just kind of thought that that's how the industry worked, um, or you hire this big PR firm, takes you on, and bam, Rolling Stone is writing about you in the front page, and the more now that we've just been through so many working with different people though, I've just single-handedly learned that there is no such thing as a savior in the music industry. It all comes from you as the artist and something that you do or your hard work or your arts is going to be what hopefully creates a reaction in sort of the world, the ecosystem, the marketplace, the fans out there. Um, And then it's, it's funny as soon as the moment starts happening that's when all of those industry people jump on board and yeah, fuel yeah. things. They've been waiting. The,
1: yeah, was, yeah.
2: I was actually watching uh, Portugal, The Man. They were, had a little interview. I can't remember with who, but uh, they were saying that they were just kind of like rare Americans a little bit. That Every album they released was a little better or they kind of were growing slowly. A couple of radio songs, but then when the feel it still yeah. dropped everything changed now they get they had released a lot of albums too they, they, they were like banned from 2006 or something and this song didn't came out until 2017 it so was I think, 10 albums or something well, right I don't know how many albums but it was many
0: years Amazing. and because uh, they I, I think they were quite a prolific band as well Uh, And they actually did a similar thing to us. I remember reading an article where they brought um, a videographer with them for the full tour, full recording they were going to do. They made like an entire documentary. That was their plan, similar to us, kind of film everything, gather everything, and then they never even put it out or something like that. (laughs) Uh, So similar things that have happened to us as well, where you you think something is a great idea, capture everything, and then it, for whatever reason, doesn't get used. uh, Well,
1: I think... Uh, as great as Rare Americans always is, I think one of our weaknesses is that we want to do everything all the time sure, yeah. at once, right? Yeah. And uh, so we have a lot of projects that probably people haven't seen.
0: Everything, everywhere, all at
1: once. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you've seen
0: that movie. But, it is. Yeah.
1: I like that movie. But uh, yeah, that's like that's something that we've always done is a lot of stuff all the time. Yeah, I agree. And uh, maybe it maybe it's frustrated a few people in, uh, from time to time, all of us. You sure, know? it's frustrated
0: everybody yeah. at some point. The hardest part for me on that is I wish that we could just be, you know, like Ariana Grande and have your record done a year before it comes out with the world tour booked and yada, yada, yeah. yada. Um, it seems for us you make decisions, you try things, you see what works and what doesn't work. You learn from that and that might rejig your approach to the next thing. As we are seeing now, you know, we've, we've tried something with searching for strawberries. We're kind of reviewing how, how it worked or didn't work. And that kind of, you know, from those learning experiences, you retool for the the next thing or the next project. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, it's, you know, it's hard probably to, you know, if everything went absolutely perfectly according to plan all the time and you could just keep going according to your big grandmaster plan, that would be awesome. But the world just doesn't seem to work that way. Mm-hmm. And you have to learn from successes and failures, retool, and hopefully come back stronger for the next one. But yeah. but I think um, we... we as James was saying, we try things, see
2: what works, see what doesn't. But I think he's mostly talking about the marketing, the strategy of releases. But when it comes to songwriting or writing the songs, I mean, with the exception of one period where we tried to write a hit, <laughs> yeah. which didn't work out. I think it's very genuine. It's uh, the the songs or the music is always, it's not like, let me strategize this song. No. Curate it no. to a female that are, you know, 23. So no, it's, uh, it's always um yeah we, have, we we're trying some... we're trying to do cool stuff musically and then when it's when it's done then we try to uh you know uh strategize but i think the songwriting is definitely not nothing to do with strategy
1: yeah That's, we have some wacky songs in the yeah, demo sure. demo section that nobody's heard before so like uh Songs about aliens and yeah, we do have songs those. about animals. Captain Picard, <laughs> Captain
0: <laughs> Picard. Songs
1: about animals. We have uh, all sorts A-N-I-L-S. of
0: animals. <laughs> Rare Americans. <laughs> Hell yeah! These are good
1: songs. You may hear one day. Yeah, um, there's
0: a whole lot of things in the fault, uh, but I totally agree. I think you're bang on. I think we've always tried to be as genuine as possible, and what felt like in the moment was, uh, you know, we were doing something that felt authentic and. It's kind of funny now to, I think the other thing about being in a band for five years or releasing as much as we have is fans that you had at the beginning that really love something, you're going to lose some of those people along the way, no matter what. And then you're going to pick up other people who uh, like newer things, but not older things. And Mm -hmm. um, the hardest part for me is probably looking back on comments and seeing like, you've changed or uh, (laughs) go back to what you did on RA1 or be grittier or be this or be that and uh, try not to like internalize that too much. Well, also, you know, understanding and reflecting and recognizing, okay, what was it about... RA1 or RA2 that people identified with and maybe they're not identifying with um, newer music. And then, and then, you know, almost analyzing that to an extent and being like, okay, did we lose something along the way? Or how did that happen? Not for any purpose, fault, or, you know, in the interest of trying something different. Um, you know, like, I remember for RA3, um, we were experimenting a lot more with Um, different instruments like using the Moog and using more pianos and ukuleles uh, (laughs) ukuleles, Mm -hmm. or just trying some things that uh, we had never touched those types of instruments on the first two records. The first two records were very much like uh, almost, I don't want to say live off the floor, but it was drums and bass, all track live off the floor. The first record, Almost everything
1: was tracked. Like a rock band.
0: Basically. Yeah, almost everything was tracked live off the floor with a few overdubs. Uh, and then I think that we just, once we started really seriously demoing for the RA3 days and we were during the pandemic kind of times, we had so much time that we were really experimenting a lot more. And I think we were also reacting to a lot of those sounds that felt cool to incorporate into the music, whether it was some program drums like in Gas Mask and, and whatever, that that naturally evolves the sound and the music a little bit more than the first two records. And I can understand why some people felt like that wasn't what they thought we
1: were. Yeah. I also think like we got a lot of fans from Brittle Bones, Nikki, right. And, and a lot of fans from cats, dogs and rats. It was still kind of in that like alternative punk rock world. And uh, I was reading somewhere that when you're about 12 years old, the albums you listen to are the concreted albums that you will always sure. think are the best. And I think, you know, after five years, you're going to just like want to move on to something else. Right. And like those fans that were there uh, at the RA one in two days, they probably still really love those albums. And I bet a lot of those fans are fans that come to our shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it, it's only natural that like after a while, Five years, you're listening to other music and you're. For sure. Yeah. Your on. life could
0: change, or you might have been very young at that time. And now, you know, you've moved on to a different interest that's opened up in your life. I, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that um, an absolutely great banging album is a banging album is a banging album and a fan who might've liked early stuff if they didn't connect with more recent stuff, a a really great project can totally draw anybody back in at any point in time. Absolutely. Um, And
2: make new fans.
0: Yeah. yeah, And that's what I think I'm most excited about for our next project, which I'm not going to reveal yet. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I think it's our most, Uh, unique piece of work i think it's the best piece of work that we've done i think it's fresh i think it's totally different um but also has i think a lot of um the ingredients and spices from all along the way some of the more raw kind of live off the floor organic feel of the first couple records to some more experimental stuff of the later material um and i feel that you know we 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 caught lightning in a bottle a little bit mm-hmm. uh and uh i'm really excited for for people to hear that
2: at least yeah, it feels yeah. that way
0: yeah i was i was um
2: thinking about this because we every time we release music of course we're excited but as you know we were at 1.5 different individuals with different visions and views so not every song was everybody's favorite and and uh so uh but we had to kind of make decisions uh but i think this one the next project that's coming out was we all of us were like wow this is this is something special everybody loved every song it was just like the whole vibe of the recording and the sound so it was a very unique um yep. um like a agreement on all fronts yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. In terms of all of us uh, at the... Every like, everybody felt like we were really on to yeah. something. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, yeah. I'd like to continue with the history sure. of Rare Americans and talk about Django when he joined. So this is more RA2 days,
0: right? Yeah, Django's been here almost since the beginning besides yeah. RA1. Um early days in ra2 i remember we had demoed out quite a few songs at that point we were getting ready to record and we thought it might be nice to have an additional player um i think is how it all kind of started and lubo and you were jamming a little bit and yeah, we had like uh, yeah you guys are just jamming more like anything project else. That, yeah yeah, yeah. That
2: nobody will ever hear probably
0: <laughs> yeah um and then um lubo had said oh yeah yawn he's a we didn't call you Django then, we called yeah. you Jan. Uh, <laughs> he was, uh, you know, he's a really good player. He's good at the bass, good at the guitar, yada, yada, yada. We should kind of meet up with this guy. I was like, cool, great. And then uh, I think I came over one night. I th- think L- we were Lubos, at Lubos. Yeah, to at we Lubos. Were, uh, maybe even two nights. And we were working time. on Berlin, I think.
2: And without you around? I yeah, sure. That.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were kind of coming up with secondary kind of guitar lines and how they could play off of each other. And um, and then we also I also went to Kits uh, when yep. you had the old studio. I I went there a few times
2: before well, the, the old recording. studio. Yeah. Oh, nice. And we were just uh, working out some because we thought the, uh, this album was gonna be done with Joe Chiccarelli. Yeah. 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 Yep. And uh, we thought it's gonna be all life of the floor, so we needed to practice. We need, everybody needs to be ready with their parts and not like oh I don't know what to yep. play. So. Um, uh uh, we were working out parts then turned out we we did the tracking slightly differently uh so but i remember to me because i i'm a little bit older than the guys but uh, i i had a lot of experience in playing and performing and in slovakia but i never been to a recording studio that's and definitely not like warehouse, you know. So, sure, sure yeah. So when I went there, I was I was so nervous, like this is gonna be.
0: <laughs> yeah, you also hard. hadn't probably done a lot of recording, which no, no. Recording no. is a different skill. Yeah, exactly. Like you can be a good player live, and you yeah, exactly. can, you know. But then once you Length get to a click, once you was, get the click on, yeah. and you get the headphones, and you feel like you're the cameras are kind of rolling, or you feel like you're kind of on a little yeah, bit. Yeah. it's it's I a was, totally different. Type of playing, a different type of practice, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I guess a different experience. Uh, experience
2: yeah. because it was very professionally. It was like, okay, we're here to work on something. Yep. And I'm we have not a, saying we it was a job to do here. It wasn't fun, but it was like you're getting paid. Everybody, it's 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 really like. Uh, you're uh,
0: not here just jamming in a garage with a bunch of friends drinking beers or Well, something. because yeah. think about it. like We went in with 18 songs and very limited amount of time to do that because yeah. studio is expensive. You're paying a producer. You're paying for other people to be there. It's like you you know that you have a certain amount of time that you have to make an album. So you have to approach that with a certain type of discipline. discipline and, and yo, we need to be prepared for this. We need to, let's let's really actively all be focused and let's analyze this. Where uh, Was that a great performance? Did that have energy? Did that, is this the right part for the song? Um, and you kind of have to have an all hands on deck, hyper focused kind of concentration for the duration of your recording session or else, you're going to be three weeks in and you're going to have f- bits and pieces of four or five different songs and then, well, we just spent this money on recording and we don't have an album. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess back in those been other days, it
2: might have been people it was, <laughs> spending yeah. three three months in a studio recording 10 songs yep. and partying yeah. 90% of the time. But <laughs> yeah, it was. I was also uh, surprised about the attention to detail because when you're just jamming in a band or just uh, you know playing gigs... Uh, it's nobody really is like oh i don't like that note on the bass just just play kind of like your own version of the groove every time is different it's very organic but this one was like okay no i don't like that note play quarter notes here eight notes here no this is not cohesive so it was to me it was like opened a totally new world of of things and uh, that's where I started recording, trying to record myself, and I think I got better at recording, uh, still not 100%, but um, yeah, totally different skill and uh, amazing um, opportunity for me, and I'm still extremely happy to be here after five years.
1: So, so you you, c- you kind of joined when RA2 was being recorded. Just before just before like just before. The prep yeah. for our all of the demos
2: were recorded, but I was just like there too
1: and you're in the studio though at re i two whole I've, the whole time yeah. yeah so then we uh you guys did an unofficial u k tour That's so it, true. The, it, oh, like
0: now it's it's come it's the unofficial u k tour yeah, let's yeah. just call it the disaster <laughs> <laughs>
1: so this again i'm not involved at this time so so the thought process there was
0: cats dogs and rats we had these songs ra2 wasn't out yet we were starting to see a little concentration of fans in the uk for some reason we'd never toured so it was like okay what do bands do they put out music and then they go on tour. Okay. We don't seem to have any fans in Canada yet, but we get a whole lot of comments from the UK. It seems like our limited Spotify and YouTube data suggests the UK. So let's go to the UK. So we booked, uh, independently booked a tour. It was me and Andy Schichter, actually the guy who have been doing a little bit of work with now. Uh, we booked this UK tour and, uh, we just all of a sudden went, uh, uh, we brought on a higher drummer at that point. Um, and we just kind of went and didn't know what the hell we were doing. Similar to Portugal Demand, we brought a videographer. <laughs> we took the whole time and paid for. Which is some of the best footage, yeah. I think. Yeah, And really, he was do. really good. And yeah. I'm really happy yeah. that we did that, even if the tour wasn't a success. Just the fact that we can look back five years later and for whatever the nominal expense that it was to look back at the progression that mm-hmm. we've had is pretty special. So I'm glad we have footage of that. Um, and we'll have that for our whole lives, which is cool. And yeah, I mean, ultimately the tour. I think we just learned very quickly we didn't have as many fans as we thought we did, and that's where we would go to shows. And some had ten fans, some had twenty, some had three. Yeah. So
1: I, I think, uh, sorry, Jungle, uh, this one is important because not, not many people know about this, and I think it's great for the podcast. I want to know about your Tinder. Scheme. Oh, <laughs> God damn it. Why are we uh, going to talk about that, we, man? I just think this is imp- incredibly wow, important Wow, I can't about.
0: believe I just got absolutely blasted like that. This is like historical. This will be edited out. <laughs> uh, okay, so if I have to talk about this... Um, at the time, we were really struggling to sell tickets. I think it became very real pretty early that we booked and committed and booked all these shows and we didn't actually have that many fans. So we were not selling a lot of tickets and we didn't have a booking agent. We were we put everything up on Eventbrite so we could just see in the back end how many tickets we had mm-hmm. sold. And a lot of these were like one, two, four. Hey, I remember when we'd, we'd see like two tickets get purchased for a show, we were like, Yes, <laughs> and we did like this. Uh, we even we even did a bundle like uh because we did those um lunch lunch boxes. So we did a lunch box bundle with a ticket or whatever. So when you saw a few people buy the lunch box bundle, and we ended up selling like probably almost a hundred of them or whatever. Mm-hmm. When you saw that bundle package come in, you were like you were stoked, but we're like oh oh boy, we need to figure out a way to get people to these shows. So me being. the the creator that I am trying to come up with different ideas. I was like, I was a single man at the time who I had the dating apps. I Young was like, and handsome yeah, well. I was Let's like, maybe, maybe we could, uh, we could all create Tinder profiles and maybe we could just, in like blast mass invite a whole bunch of different girls and guys we even had a girl who was working for us at the time create a tinder profile trying to get guys to come uh and Mm -hmm. try to make it seem like it was this dope ass show from this band from canada you hadn't quite heard of yet but go listen to cats dogs and rats and come to the show and um so i i blasted those messages uh like hundreds and hundreds of them and we're giving away essentially free tickets not purchase tickets free tickets.
1: This is all in app in Tinder.
0: No, no, I was doing it. I had the desktop version so I could go way faster. Oh, but, but you're doing it all in Tinder. Yeah, all in Tinder, yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah, And all of us were, pretty much. Uh, and I was just trying to get as many people to RSVP as possible with free tickets. So as soon as I got like a confirmation message, I would get their name or whatever, and then I would go into the back end of the Eventbrite, and I would add comp tickets with that person's name or whatever. So what were the results of this? Not good. And the funniest one is probably the story I've told about... Um, Where is it? What was the city? I think it was uh, Uh, not not Leeds. um, Liverpool. There there was a few of the stories. Sorry, Liverpool (laughs) Liverpool was the best one though because um, it was this cool venue and it was the most RSVP'd of any of the shows in terms of the Tinder people. There was like I think like seventy-five or a hundred. And so this venue thought that we had. Sorry,
1: you got 75 people from Tinder? Yeah, confirmed. It? Yeah,
0: <laughs> guys, guys and girls. So, like, literally, like, makeshift created this, like, party event
1: that's unbelievable
0: yeah and so we were like stoked i, I was, for was liverpool yeah really? i was I like i was like liverpool is going to be a blast of a show so i remember getting there and going downstairs and being like okay hey, this is gonna be cool This is gonna be fun it's small um and then as i've told the story before nobody had showed up mm. and meanwhile the venue thought 75 or 100 people were coming because they could see the back end of uh of the event bright and nobody came and I was like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" I'm trying to like go back on the app to try to get people to like, "Are you coming? Oh, what's <laughs> happening here?" Uh, and nobody is showing up. And uh, so then we, in walks two girls, <laughs> and they thought they were coming to this like fun party. <laughs> and there's literally two of them, and they're just there like, was Dan and Dan, <laughs> the one fan who bought a ticket who had come to like four shows on this <laughs> tour, and they were looking around like, "Oh my god, we just got totally like punked." But we g- we got beers with them after. Yeah, uh, we got we beers. Had- we got beers with them they were actually really nice and we literally ended up playing a show for three people the venue was mad um there was no promoter so i understand why there's promoters for shows now they're kind of like the you know the middleman between crazy independent band from canada and to protect the venue
1: running tinder schemes
0: exactly and uh yeah it didn't it just it just totally fell flat on its face um and then there was a couple other goofy shows where i had no intention of like like sleeping with these girls or going on dates or whatever but i think a few of them thought that was the case so we had a show or two where different girls thought that they were there on a special kind of uh date so to speak and there was a little bit of tension
2: in the room there there was one girl i remember she came to him and she said like hi and he james didn't know if just like he was at the merch booth and she said hi and just said hi i'm james (laughs) And she she her face totally became serious, and she said, "I know we've been texting for
1: two months. (laughs) (laughs) You
0: don't know who I am. (laughs) Have fun. Yeah, that's okay. I feel like we've told enough of this. That's good.
1: That's good. You know, to be a young
0: band." Yeah, you, may, you know. That's part of the hustle of like, you got to do whatever you got to do as a, I think like, sure. Do I look back and am I like super proud of that? No. But do I fault myself? No. I was trying to do anything humanly possible to give the band a chance to play in front of people. And I think that when you're a young artist, a young band, it's probably that's a bad, bad idea, but you got to do anything possible to get yourself in front of people, to play for people, to try to be creative. It's not just ever going to happen for you. You're, gonna, you're the only person who's ever going to find a way to create your own success, so to speak. And that's just part of being young, dumb, learning, and, and just doing what you can. Yeah, this is the one thing that uh, the Tinder is like a pre-tour,
2: but even during the tour, we didn't give up on uh, trying. And yeah. I know me and Johnny took the deck of cards because we had so many cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give free cards to people, and ask them to go to a show. We did that in Leicester where there was a huge pub with, I don't know, hundreds of people and upstairs was a show. So we went down, hey, come to the show. So it was, uh, we, we were still, you know, Doing whatever Riding we did, hustle, yeah. Throughout the tour to, to get people there, yeah. So um, uh, I think the tour was was a success because it's also good for the band to yes, yeah, start yeah. to play together yeah, and for to sure. experience this. So yes, it was not success, so I guess, financially or oh ticket so sales. So many or, or, or people, or yeah,
0: yeah. You um, don't look back on that and be like, oh, I totally regret that we
2: did. And that I don't thing. think I don't think we expected. Sure. Uh, when we went to this for this tour, that this is gonna be a huge sellout. at yeah. Ed Sheeran most best selling yeah. tour of all time. So,
1: which is now Taylor Swift's.
2: Yeah, now Taylor
0: Swift.
1: So, what about you joining uh, the group? What was your? I would have joined probably shortly after you came back from the tour. Yeah, May and, May
2: 2019.
1: And you guys initially, uh, Jeff, the bass player, he contacted me saying, "Hey, um, uh, we need a we need a drummer. Do you want to come play?" So, I think. I joined you guys In order to prep for, it was a... A U.S. tour that that we
0: had booked and we had applied for visas to try to get P2 visas to go play and the whole tour was booked. And then this lawyer that we hired in the States to get the visas was turned out to be a little bit shysty Mm. and kind of took and jacked our money and we didn't end up getting the visa at all. I don't even know if she ever even submitted the application. Oh, really? So days are counting down to the tour. We still don't have the visa and we're like, oh shit, man, There's we can't just wing it go into the border because you know you could get banned for five years or something so at that point we had brought you on we needed a drummer um we had these shows booked and we actually had sold a few tickets i think for this we had grown a little bit uh and it was kind of the west coast of the usa uh and then we had to pull the plug on it because we never got a visa Mm -hmm. yeah so i remember uh that being uh just a kind of a shitty shitty time i just felt like we had been screwed over by a few people at that point in time we'd also had if I think at that point had brought come out
2: no actually no. this is this is like it was the sh- shittiest time then we kind of were in all in the office because we didn't go on tour right and we started pretty much being a uh, full time not just musically but in in the band and uh, that's when we did the strategy for really we shot those videos yeah 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 yeah, and yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember that so mm-hmm. this is what we did and yeah, the you biggest were, moment it, was about to come
1: it was funny because you were um, the tour was like cut like two days before or whatever and no, I was we like, were
2: still actually we were still like maybe we leave on Monday yeah yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah
1: and I was like oh shit I was expecting like two weeks worth of pay because yeah. at the time I was a freelance drummer yeah, and yeah, yeah. I, I just pay and then you were like well come in our office and like work right uh, and the same with Django yeah. who at the time was also the, uh, yep. a hired gun. So we just sat in the office and I remember it was the f- funniest shit we did. We were, uh, what were we doing? Researching other bands on Instagram. Yeah, and yeah. then I was doing some social graphic design, some editing and stuff. Uh, we were just like, it was a, we were also
0: demoing though. Cause I remember you played baby the boy. piano for baby boy. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. You were demoing and, yeah. um,
0: And that office was kind of cool because it was a little bit more open. Mm -hmm. So you could be simultaneously demoing while someone else was working on whatever, a video project or a social media thing. And mm-hmm. I remember kind of like bouncing between the two, which I like a lot. That's the way that I like to work, um, which we don't have at this current setup very, very much. But um, that's what I liked about that space. Yeah,
1: Lubo had this kick-ass. He had his own room. Yeah. In, in, well, that used to
0: be tank. Edwards, where uh, the guy who I did all the videos with in RA1, at the very beginning, it was me and Edward and, um, and Lubo. and Ed, o- Omar
2: was there for a while too. No? Omar... Omar, the videographer.
0: Oh, for... Yeah, yeah, when he was doing... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah. Before everything, it was... Edward kind of had that office and that's where we were... He would do all his editing and storyboarding and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a great, great space and we got it for like super cheap because they were going to... The building owner was about to do renovations on the whole place or whatever, so nobody wanted to only take a year lease or something. We we're like, okay, we'll take it. So he gave it to us for dirt cheap, and it was a really, really great space. And we did a, did a lot of demoing there, a lot of a uh, lot of growing there, a lot of learning. It's now a gym, I think. yeah, 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 yeah. Some you,
1: CrossFit thing, or yeah, something exactly. Like that. Oh, yeah, exactly, or something
2: health. Now I think it changed. Yeah, yeah. I was there, and it's something about health.
1: And a lot of this stuff was filmed in that studio. You had, um, if anybody's seen the Brita Bonds, Nikki. Uh, in-studio version. Yeah, all, of all those of demos, vocal all takes, those vocals takes were in uh, that little
0: booth we built, yeah. yeah. Or
2: if somebody remembers Coffee with James and Lubo. Yeah, that, that was, was all there, filmed, yeah. Filmed mm-hmm. there.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, it, lots of lots of stuff happened
2: there. Yeah, I guess RA2, the whole RA2 was pretty much demoed there.
1: Right? Yeah. And then um, shortly, like right, basically right when I kind of joined more in office as not a drummer, we released Berta Bones, Nikki. Nicky. Yeah. And I remember... I remember it releasing and I was thinking like, oh, this this band is fairly large. I assume something good will happen. And uh, on the day Bones Nikki drops the video, you're like, how many views are we at? And uh, I think Jan was like oh, 10,000 or something. And you were like, 10,000? You couldn't believe it. You couldn't believe the amount of views. And then we checked back and you were like, it was like 20,000 or something. Like we got. It was I actually know.
2: growing exponentially. So it was like, I think first day was 4,000, then 10,000, then 15,000, then 25,000. And we were just yeah. like, every day was more and more. And we were just couldn't believe. And like, mad uh, subscribers. Uh, yes, yeah, subscribers, yeah. comments, yeah. everything. The, it, you could it's clearly f- say something's happening. Such a
0: fun feeling. Yeah. It's yeah. so adrenaline inducing that... You just want to hit refresh and read more comments, and it's just such a fun, buzzy kind of moment.
1: Yeah. So that was cool. That was cool to be a part of and to, For sure, yeah. to see. And I was surprised that everybody else was so surprised. And then I was like, oh, okay, I guess this is, this is a, a thing. It's yeah. a good moment. Like, yeah. uh, it, was, it was really neat. And
0: yeah. you got to cherish those because again, five years later, you get perspective. They're, they're hard and hard, 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 hard to come by. So mm-hmm. um, I think that's kind of what as artists, you're kind of chasing is more moments like that, because those are the things that you know, high tides kind of raise all ships kind of thing. So, um, I think now every video we release, we're all kind of, you know, sitting there with our fingers crossed, kind of hoping that something like that will react. And, uh, yeah, all you can do, I think as an artist is keep, you know, shooting your shot and doing your best and make the best art that you can and hope like uh, something connects and reacts. And, and then you get to have those kind of moments. I imagine it's somewhat like an athlete's where, you know, you see Roger Federer or something and, you know, he's, he's used to winning all these championships and then he goes for a long period of time, years um, before winning another championship and then, mm-hmm. you know, that almost when that happens again, you're that relief that you, you didn't think it might ever come again <laughs> uh, and that happens, I think, to athletes of all different kinds and I think it's similar to musicians or directors or anything in some way where, you know, you have a moment at some point, it feels amazing and you're just trying to get back there and you do lots of things that don't do it and then... And, you know, again, you know, when it does happen, I think you got to really relish it. And, um, yeah. Yeah, I think we, we've been... Uh, of course, we've been working hard.
2: Uh, I, there's no doubt about it. But we also been lucky with this. Like, so many artists don't ever experience For sure. that. Right? So... Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and some artists have... But, we have been also very unlucky <laughs> uh, and some um, during those five years. Definitely, like the industry was never really on our side or we didn't really have any freebies. People don't really...
0: I think people just don't really get us. I think that we're a little bit um, of like a guinea pig for a lot of the industry. They, they just don't know what box to kind of put us in. And I think that makes a lot of people fearful of their own, um, their own work or their own publications that taking a flyer on this band that they don't really know how to group or put into a box that that can fall flat for them and that they just don't do it. It's, it's much easier to get behind something when everybody else is already behind it. Uh, and I think that Mm -hmm. people have had a tough time kind of understanding who we are, what we do. Um, and yeah, so I think that the industry is just, it hasn't been our, we're not industry darlings by any way, shape or form. We never have been. Uh, and now I'm almost at the point where it's like, I, why would we expect that all of a sudden something's going to change in that regard? Who? It's like, who almost cares? Don't even worry about the industry at all. Just keep trying to, to make what we feel is good, genuine art and hope that it connects with people. Uh, and then once, you know, again, you have another moment or something, everybody is going to jump on board. Mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah I, I, I agree um,
0: so sh- yeah what what happened after brittle sneak
1: well let's we can fast forward uh, we're getting to more current times but the uh, key thing is right after brittle on maybe shortly a couple months after we you get a call to go down to LA yeah uh, a record deal happens with a major label. It was
0: really interesting. Once, once again, something reacts, um, and we had three videos kind of react because we had Ryan and Dave Milkman and Brittle Bones. And Nikki, obviously, mm-hmm. Brittle Bones was the biggest, but those other two were also really successful pieces of content. Um, I remember getting called by probably three different labels at that point. I think Republic had sent us a message, Warner had sent us a message, and then uh, APG Atlantic had also, um, sent us a message and I just happened to connect the most with the A&R from APG. He used to, he liked hockey. He liked some of the bands that I used to listen to. And, um, we just kind of got along really well on the phone. And so that rapport led him to kind of fly it up, uh, the ladder to his boss who ran the label. And next thing we know, you know, I had sent them more music. They really liked it. And the next week we were literally in their office. Uh, Mm -hmm. and I remember that week being nervous. I was like, Holy shit. I I know that I have to be the one to kind of lead this presentation for us. And at that point I was still young. My older brother, Jared was coming. I remember being a little bit nervous about that because he'd obviously ran hundreds of meetings in his life. And here I was the kind of young green kid going to be the one leading this meeting. So I remember, uh, just like, rigorously going over, uh, notes and making sure I knew all the shit about everything that we had done up until that point, our plans moving forward and almost like rehearsing to a degree. Uh, and then I remember in the meeting, um, uh, doing very well. And, and I remember very confidently speaking about rare Americans to this guy who is a legend in the music industry, Mike Karen, one of the most successful Mm -hmm. music industry executives there is, and I remember being quite confident and doing a good job in the meeting, and then pretty much, uh, you know, we got an offer right, right there, uh, and I remember that being just an incredible feeling, like it was finally like validation for this crazy ass decision that I made in my life to quit hockey, to not work in our family business, to pursue songwriting and music, the worst business in the world. And here we had someone responsible for some of the biggest artists in the world offering us a a, a deal and a contract to be a part of his boutique label. Uh, and I remember being just super proud and calling my parents and and even my parents probably, or my dad especially, being like, okay, i I get this now, <laughs> you know, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like this thing that I think that's me and Mish were talking about that the other day. I think that's half of what musicians love about being on labels is their parents and their families think they're meandering kind of morons in their life who are just avoiding getting a real job. And then bam, as soon as you land on a real label, they're all of a sudden the parents are like, Oh, we're, we're proud of you. <laughs> or we're <laughs> yeah. You know, they, uh, I, I, always always, I always knew kind of thing. Um, and it feels like you're you've you've kind of you're in the big leagues now. So that felt really good. Um and and yeah, but I, I think over time, you know, we weren't there for very long, but Uh, I think at the end of the day, they're, they're really good people. Um, We're just, we wanted to do something different. Um, We wanted to be uh, a band that could kind of call our own shots. I think, uh, especially in, 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 you know, my family's history and our, in, in, in what we do, we've just been so used to being the shot callers and kind of having control over our own destiny in a way. And I think that that's very much written into the DNA of projects that we're a part of and. I think it became apparent over time that we weren't the shot callers and that we we didn't have the ability to really do what we wanted to do, Uh, whether that was put out an album or how much we would want to spend on something or not spend on something. We kind of lost that autonomy. And I think we felt that that was going to be um, frustrating for us um, over time and that we were going to lose some of that independence and... Even some of like uh, you mentioned earlier, like, you know, that brief period where we're all kind of trying to write a hit, like, you know, that's what labels Mm -hmm. want. They want big, successful songs. And if they don't feel that you have one, um, they're going to tell you to keep writing. I'm going to pair you with this writer. I want you to now work with this outside writer until we feel like we have something that we feel is, is something we're willing to get behind and put money behind and put out. Um, And that at that point in time, you know, tensions were really high in the band. We were, I think between Lubo and myself and, you know, Jeff, who was with us at the time, it was starting to get very, very heated and it wasn't, wasn't fun. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember me trying to drive that and trying to really deliberately write songs. I thought that they might like this label might like, I wanted so badly for them to like us. Um, And I think the other guys were, you know, pushing back on that a little bit and, um. Yeah, it was just, uh, I would say, a little bit of a tough time that we went through there.
1: Well, it was also extremely tough because it was the pandemic. And it yeah. happened right away. Correct, yeah. I think everybody was... Even, even signing,
0: official signing of the deal, because it took such a long time. That was the other thing I learned, is going back and forth with lawyers forever on these, negotiating every tiny little point of this, like, 100-page-long contract. You're like, fuck, we just want to put out music. And it was, like, a good... Six seven months after *Brittle Bones*, Nikki had come out that we even signed with them, let alone put out a project. So, mm-hmm. I remember uh, our official kind of like cheersing almost was done over Zoom, which that would have always been done in person. Mm-hmm. So, who knows? Also, maybe the hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Uh, you never, you you will never know and can't change the past. But who knows if it wasn't the pandemic and. Maybe uh, we would have been in L.A. a lot and actually at their studio and working with some of their producers and, you know, mm-hmm. you know, writers or whoever it was, meeting lots of different people in the industry. Maybe the outcome would have been totally different and we would have actually really liked it. I'm not sure. Uh, but I think the fact that we were we were here demoing what we thought was the best of our abilities and what they were hearing on the other end, there was a disconnect there. And um, that remote way of working maybe to start a new relationship wasn't the best. Um, but again, how how can you know?
2: Um, I, I remember you. We went for a beer here in Alibi Room, just next door, and uh, uh, you said, "Guys, this is our only shot." You were just very, <laughs> you were just like very. If we don't do this, we're not not we're fucked. But I remember like your your view at that time was, uh, if this doesn't work out, everything goes to shit, and uh, and we need to work hard, and we did work hard and uh it didn't work out but i think the opposite almost happened like as soon as we got out of the label we released ra2 ra3 and yeah we
0: came back that's, real that's quick. probably that our our I think my my perspective on that probably at the time was, this is the biggest opportunity that we're going to get. And I think at that point in time, Jeff was around, Lubo was there. Jeff was kind of on his, I think his last kick at the music industry. Mm -hmm. He was very much like, "Uh, I'm going to try this. And if I don't, I'm doing something else with my life. Um, And I think Lubo had had a little bit of, um, you know, a little bit of the same, not as much because I don't think he had the same kind of alternate plans that Jeff Mm kind of had in the works. Um, But I think at that moment in time, there was a lot of that. Okay. This is, we were waiting for a shot guys. We've been here for two years working hard on this project. Our, our shot is now Uh, let's, let's work our asses off and try to try to write a whole bunch of songs that, you know, they're going to get behind and that could blow the floodgates open for us. So for me, I think it was like a, Um, a mentality shift of like okay if we thought we were working hard before we gotta we gotta up that and let's let's up the ante on you know strike when when the iron is hot but I think regardless of the label or
2: not I think we we we're one of the people who made the most out of the pandemic we Mm -hmm. recorded I don't know 50 songs here, a demo of 50 songs or whatever. Uh, did uh, the, all the release plans that we did later on uh, for RA for 2 for for RE3, all those singles. I think we did a fantastic job and uh, we stayed relevant. We grew so much actually during pandemic, unlike some other musicians who were like, okay, what am I going to do? I can't tour, mm-hmm. I can't do anything. Uh, but I think we found a way to not just stay relevant, but also grow during the pandemic, which totally, yeah. I think it's awesome.
1: Agreed. I mean, in, in hindsight, two years to get a major record deal is incredibly impressive. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. that's wild, you know? And uh,
0: That's the so other thing you got to remind yourself sometimes is like, I think five years when you're working in this project every single day, all day for 12 hours a day mm-hmm. or whatever, you could feel like, oh my God, I'm growing gray hairs. Uh, but then you look at so many other artists in history that are doing well or are still doing well. And it's like, they're 20 years into the game. They're 10 years into the game, 15 years into the game. Like, so at at we're actually, I'd say, still at the, you know, early point of, um, you know, of, and I remember the label said this to us at the beginning. They said, look, like, when people... I think I listened to an interview with Mike Karen before we signed with him. And he said pretty much every artist, they sign a record deal and they want to have an album out within six months and be on the road within eight. That's just how artists are. They want everything now. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I've, it just doesn't work that way. Like I know to break an artist is going to be three to five years, a hundred percent. Um, and of course not. <laughs> of course there's anomalies, you know, and some things can just absolutely pop on the internet or some things never work at all. But it was more the average was like, okay, it's probably three to five years for an artist to break. There's a lot of groundwork you gotta do. There's a lot of a lot of material you gotta put out, fans you gotta meet, people you gotta, you know, say hi to. And, you know, from that regard. You know we are only five years into this and I think look what we, we've been able to build like we've been able to not just play sold out shows in our hometown you know we've been able to go all the way to you know Poland and play for five hundred kids we can go to Slovakia we can go to London we can go to New York we can go to new uh, wherever New Mexico um, and and have four hundred kids show up and I think to me, that that was the best part of touring was, wow, like this is incredible that there's a lineup down the street of kids who are so excited to buy our t-shirt and listen to our music and sing along in New Mexico. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, amazing. Yeah, that's crazy.
1: <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, definitely the best project I've been a part of. Um, let's fast forward to today. So we left that major uh, record deal. We joined a distribution deal, which we've left since then. We've done We've had many ups and downs. We've released how many albums now at this point? Five. Five albums. Plus an EP. How many songs, Jungkook? 82. And you said how many videos? 45. 45. That is wild. So that's a pretty good five years. Um, What do people have to look forward to? Lots, I guess. Uh, Oh, man. I think it's
0: now we're just kind of heating up. Yeah. I think that I've learned a lot through the last few projects. And I also think the last projects that we put out were two years old. Uh, And I never want to make that mistake again, really, of um, recording something and sitting on a project for such a long time. um, You feel like you've grown past it before it even comes out. Um, So I feel like, you know, lessons learned through that. And, you know, the material that we have coming up, I think I'm most excited for because I think that we got back to a real kind of um, rawness that we might've lost a little bit um, for no fault of our own. You, you, you try different things. Um, But I think that that's a good Avenue and a good lane for the band. And I think that that's something that um, the world is craving a little bit. Like I've used Zach Bryan as an example, several times of, man, he's just a dude. I was listening to him on Joe Rogan the other day. Like he, he was in the military and he uploaded, he was just uploading like dozens of videos on YouTube that had zero views. And one day he literally just on his channel, just he had, he put out five in one day. Uh, And these were just literally him singing his guitar in Oklahoma or, or wherever he was stationed and just for his own kind of like therapy. And then bam, they started to like blow up essentially on YouTube. And I would say I commend him so much for, you know, he's had a real ascension, like playing for 6,000 fans or whatever. Um, He's just totally smashed it. But he hasn't lost that kid who's just playing the guitar outside on his YouTube videos, even in his recordings. I feel like he's really been able to stay true to uh, who he was and what his skills are. And he didn't let the music industry who's jumping on him in every possible way. He didn't let you know, big pop producer come in and change who he is. I think he's done a really good job of being like, I am, I'm am a songwriter. I am a lyricist. I'm a storyteller. I am raw. Um, and I got my boys in the, the, the road boys or whatever he calls them. Uh, I got them on my side and you know, these are the kind of music that, that we make and it's always real and genuine. And you know, we're, we're recording this like that kind of way or that's what it feels like. And it, I feel his fans are really connecting with that. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I've even, and I think we did a great job on that on the next project we have coming, has a lot of that element, tracked live. I think that's the biggest thing is even a lot of those songs started by, again, me barely even, wasn't even practiced for these songs, yeah, yeah. but, you know, it was like, hey, fuck chords, I remember writing the song, okay, let me just, and, and the producer being like, just play the song like almost getting mad at me like dude no like we're not breaking this just play the song okay okay i'll play the song okay uh and then you know tracking and being like play it again okay (laughs) play rip through it again and then you're just getting going he's like play five more times and then you start to kind of like okay god like and then you're getting a little mad and then the the energy comes out a little bit um and uh even some of the other songs where it was like we were on hour 13 and it's 1230 in the morning and I'm a little high and I've had a half a bottle of wine or something. I'm most likely
1: passed out. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and being like, Playing the walls or whatever that song, yeah. and just like the tonality that I that y- you got out of that, because it was twelve thirty in the morning and I was a little little turned up or whatever and tired. Uh, it's just that was so real, uh, and I think that that's gonna hopefully come through. And now for future recordings, I think that that's something um, you know I want to try to bring back in a lot more is that kind of hybrid of you know just playing things together and using that as building blocks to great song.
2: yeah I think that might be a um, thing that might come back at some point because uh, uh, you know historically speaking in the 60s 70s these records were not perfect if you listen to Led Zeppelin first album it's just if you put a click on it it's so bad but it has the the mistakes and everything the energy is incredible human yeah uh, but then in the 90s the people start editing yeah and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and make it big and doubling everything up and every song sound big 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 and now uh, I don't know we I think we're getting back to a little bit of minimalism um and a rawness. i i mean I don't know, but I'm kind of hoping that music has always been cycled yeah and for I think, sure um we we should hopefully we're back on the on the music that we like cycle <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah
1: uh, I, I like all the music
0: we've yeah, you know. so yeah that's uh, the yeah there's we... lots of exciting things coming and um, also people know that we've been working on some more film kind of stuff too uh, which is hard man it's hard 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 um, but Uh, looking forward to just chipping away at that and one year from now having those projects be done and and you know hopefully being proud and making something awesome Um, even when in the weeds of it it's can feel like you're banging your head against a wall sometimes and how many revisions you need and how challenging it is to bring a full big long project uh, to life Um, but yeah all these things are projects that we're working on and I guess the thing I'm most uh, probably happy with is I feel after five years, I still have a passion. I feel still very passionate, very hungry, very excited about, um, uh, what's to come. And I think that we can do very great work moving forward. Um, and I don't feel like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, Oh boys, it's been five years. Uh, good job. I, I don't think I got any left in me and you know, whatever. Um, yeah feel uh feel optimistic uh for for the future
1: totally couldn't agree more i think uh after five years i'm i'm like this is awesome still here and it's uh done really well so i can't wait to see where it goes yeah totally yeah
2: i think there was a i was reading today uh betty something where was her name and she kind of uh, her career is sixty two years she has been doing 62 years. She's like, I don't know what else I could do.
0: Like, that's what I, Rick Rubin says. Yeah, yeah. Like,
2: There's nothing else I can do. And even Ben Kaplan said that like a lot of musicians are, they always, they're always, I think I'm always going to be like, that. I'm, I'm never going to be like, oh, I don't want to do music. It sucks.
0: And I just want to do math now or I don't know. Yeah, Rick accounting. Rubin, he said, he's like, man, it's just like the fact this is my job and it's like my favorite thing in the world to do. It's so fun to make things. Why, what else would I do to spend my time? There's nothing else I'd rather do. Um I think there's times though you do have to like, you know, take care of yourself or I I felt like this last tour really kicked my ass. I don't know why, it just did. Um could be the fact we were coming off of four tours and I just felt really drained, depleted when we got back home even. We had a couple of weeks there to regroup, but I still felt like I I wasn't hungry, I wasn't passionate, I felt like I was uh, didn't wake up feeling refreshed. I didn't felt like, Oh, let's go to a recording session or let's go to a podcast or a video. I felt like, Oh God, do I have to do that kind of thing? Um, And so at times like that, I think you also just have to recognize, okay, well, you've just been through a lot um, for an extended period of time. You put your body through a lot of stress, a lot of mental stress. Um, You got to just, it's important to, you know, take time where you can just let your body recuperate a little bit and let your mind recuperate. And I found over the course of even, it took me probably six, eight weeks uh, to feel like, okay, I feel excited again. I feel like I've bounced back. I feel like I have my energy and um, you know, even the last two weeks, we've just been working like madmen, trying to get these projects done, and you know, even, you know, working till midnight last night and waking up first thing this morning and going over what was worked on last night. And I still feel like, okay, awesome. Let's go do a podcast. And then what else are we doing today? Like, let's let's do it. Um. So I think that you gotta, you're gonna have times where you, you gotta kind of ride the wave of energy. And if you wanna do this for a long time, it's important to understand when you have those moments and that it's okay to have the, the low moments too. You just gotta recognize that that's part of this and part of the playing the long game, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, Wise words All right. Well, that maybe, uh, maybe we should, uh, wrap it up there. I guess I will say we got, um, you know, part of the whole reason for doing this, which we totally didn't even talk about. Uh, it's the five year anniversary of obviously our first record, but we wanted to kind of celebrate that with, um, you know, kind of reinventing some of the songs from the past with, uh, a few really fun videos that we have shot live, uh, which, uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, to dropping. Um, and yeah, also doing some really cool like a merch bundle which i'm really excited about and Mm -hmm. in typical rare americans fashion um this project started with literally an idea by mish to make one t-shirt in celebration of the five years of rare americans put it out one day and kind of move on to the next and from there i was like oh a t-shirt okay what about if we Let's make one song (laughs) and one video uh, just as a fun kind of thing. Uh, Okay, actually, how about we reimagine uh, the whole first album? Okay, no, that's not going to work. Okay, why don't we do one song from each album? Okay, let's try that. Great. So, you know, we've, we've had a lot of studio days trying yeah. to piece this together and now making all these videos and a one-day T-shirt launch turned into kind of a full project for, for six or seven weeks. But I think that's part of, uh, part of what happens. Always happens with Dora Mike. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Ideas are dangerous around here. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah. They turn into a lot of work. Yeah, they do. Uh, but hopefully it's work
0: that you guys end up liking. And another thing that we're going to do is we are going to make the fan club, um, by donation only. So, uh, we feel that there's a lot of good stuff out there and, uh, we would love for kind of everybody to be able to partake in it. So, uh, the fan, uh, fan club will be by donation. Um, obviously your support, um, is what uh, propels us to be able to make things like this and make more work. Um, and so yeah, your support is greatly appreciated. Um, and yeah, we uh, we want you guys to see the full uh, full meal deal of, of rare Americans. So um, stay tuned. This is going to be a fun little uh, little project that we got coming, followed up by an even greater one. So um, yeah. thanks, thank, for, thanks, thanks for thanks for yeah. good five years. Yeah, you know? Cheers. crazy. Cheers to Dank the th- yeah Cheers five more. Cheers to the next five. We'll see you soon. Screw lose.